Coyote Seeley Show podcast. Our series, Amazing Albertans, continues. And, well, we have maybe a bit of a caveat in this week's show because our next guest doesn't currently live in the province of Alberta. However, he was born and raised here and as a huge advocate for the cowboy and Western way of life, I think he's putting Alberta on the mark on a continued basis. Please welcome Hugh McClennan to the show. How are you? Oh, I'm just doing great, Jody. Good to hear from you. It's good to hear from you, and you've been somebody who, being a fellow broadcaster for over 20 years, I have followed your career, and it just it feels so exciting to have a show where I get to have you on my show. This is so fun. Well, I always enjoyed the stuff you did at uh, uh, in High River. My goodness, you had some interest. You even had my little brother on, I think, at times. <laughs> yes, yes, I did. We keep it a family affair, but... So it's nice to to connect with you. And people, if they haven't already put the two together, they might recognize this voice and think, where do I know this guy from? And you're probably most widely known as the host of your show, which is called Spirit of the West, which, gosh, how many years has that been uh, a joy of yours? Well, the first episode that actually went on the air was in, uh, I think it was June the 22nd, 1992. And that was on our, our local country music station in Kamloops, B.C. at that time. And uh, about a year later, we started sending out demos to different radio stations. And uh, one of the early ones to pick it up was uh, AM 1140 in High River. And uh, then we got on with CFAC in Calgary and a few stations up in uh, northern B.C. and then CFCW in Edmonton, and CKLJ in Olds, and Swift Current, and Shaunham in Saskatchewan, and uh, it just kind of grew from there. And and continues to be a show. I know that you've evolved in the world of technology, and there's a podcast version that people anywhere in the world can also connect to. I guess with the world of um, online radio stations, like being online, being able to listen online, you can get heard all over the world. But how is adding a podcast to the mix work? Oh, it, uh, I think it's something we, if we're going to keep doing this, we had to do it. Yeah. And uh, the digital revolution started a couple of years after we began syndicating the program. And, of course, that was probably 94, 95, and we were all wondering what direction is this going to go? Uh, is this going to mean the end of traditional uh, terrestrial broadcasting? Which, thankfully, it hasn't. Uh, the same way that television didn't mean the end of newspapers and, or the end of radio. Uh, but uh, I had this vision somehow that, uh, yeah, everybody listens to the show live. That's the only way they can hear it. And thank goodness they did because you hear from people that turn on their radio on their tractor every morning when they're doing their chores and feeding their cattle, and they, it kind of fits with the routine. Or if they're driving somewhere or they're on their way to church Sunday morning, they uh, tune it in. I even heard from some people that would take a little Walkman radio into church, put the earbud in, and listen to the Spirit <laughs> of the West during the service. <laughs> but anyway, I thought, you know, if there's some way that people could take the show with them uh, when they're driving on a long trip or no matter where they are, where there aren't radio stations to carry, wouldn't that be amazing? And uh, and now that is possible, although I don't think we've tapped into the potential, but now uh, like your podcast, it can be downloaded and uh, put onto a, a mobile device and uh, plugged into an auxiliary or a Bluetooth, and people can listen anywhere they want. Which is which is kind of cool at the end of the day when you think about it. 
I love the way is, you and I aren't the only people in the universe doing this. <laughs> no, we're just the only ones who matter. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. We're just here for some self-promotion, and it works. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, where right. did the where did the concept and the idea come to to start the show? Well, broadcasting was my I guess I'd call it my first failed career. I, uh, after I le- got out of school and left my uncle's farm, uh, I really wanted to get into radio back in the days when a, a disc jockey, uh, one station market was really king of the hill. You know? Yeah. And uh, I had uh, had a, so I like, grew up listening to people like, uh, oh gosh, Curly Gerlock and Bev Monroe and Darcy Scott and all these legends of broadcasting uh, in Alberta and uh, had this dream of being a disc jockey. But I also wanted to be a cowboy at the same time. That was even a deeper desire. But I did manage to get a job at CFRY in Portage La Prairie in uh, 1961. I think I was 19 or 18. And I made 160 bucks a month for six Woo-hoo! and a half days a week, about 10 hours a day. And I paid 75 a month room and board. But anyway, there I was. I had turntables and the reel-to-reel tape machines, and I was a disc jockey. So I stayed in that business for 13 years and uh, really did enjoy it. But after I moved up into management, I just got frustrated and jaded with the politics of the broadcast business when we got into bigger markets. And I was uh, always thinking of other things, and my dream was still to have a little ranch and some cattle and some horses and spend my days in the saddle uh, moving cows and doing all the things that I my cowboy dreams said <laughs> a real cowboy does uh when we were in Kamloops I started day riding for a few ranches around here and realized that oh my goodness working cowboy is still a real legitimate job definition there are men and women that earn their pay every day on the back of a horse work cattle moving cattle and looking after them in vast rugged country that a quad won't do it in you can't do it in a with a pickup and a handful of rocks you have to have a good horse and, oh, man, I just fell in love with that lifestyle. And then uh, when I left radio, uh, I started training horses for the public. And we started acquiring a little cow herd of our own. And I was day riding for a lot of ranches and driving truck at the same time. But I was on the, the board of directors of the British Columbia Cattlemen's Association. I guess with my media background, uh, it was a good fit for their public affairs and education committee. And we were battling so many negative perceptions from the uh, urban population about uh, ranching and cattle and how uh, it was fouling up the environment and cattle were bad for the planet and everything. And we knew how wrong that is. And these are, you know, well-meaning people, but they just didn't understand. And I thought, you know, with the, the culture and the history and the traditions of ranching in North America, especially in Western Canada, we have uh, so much to offer these people. We've got the, the wonderful Western art, the paintings of the Western artists. We've got uh, the saddle makers, the leather workers, the silversmiths. We've got the, the cowboy poets that uh, just can hold people spellbound with a word picture of what this life is really about. And, of course, the wonderful Western music that uh, the spirit of the West is all about. And I thought with but these resources and my background in broadcasting, maybe we could put together a weekly uh, compilation of uh, the experience of these people and the music and the poetry 
and the real life adventures and somehow get across to the urban people what uh, what a rich culture we have here so you know and billy and i talked about it for a long time and when I got fired from my truck driving job, she said, well, you may as well go for it full time now. <laughs> so so <laughs> that we did. That was in 92. Yeah. So that's the short version. <laughs> well, that's pretty good. And what, I mean, over the years, you've had countless guests and stories and, and music and people. Is there, I mean, it would probably be the impossible question, but I'll ask it anyway in that what, what stands out as a highlight for you? What has this, looked like going back over all of these stories what sort of pops out of you oh gosh you know in 28 years there there are so many of them but uh, this year of course with uh, travel restrictions we haven't gone anywhere and i haven't been to collect very many face-to-face interviews as you know really yeah. anybody that does that realizes how difficult that is all the festivals the events uh gosh the uh Events we used to go to all the time, the main event in Red Deer, Farm Fair in Edmonton, the Calgary Stampede, and uh, many others, the Kamloops Cowboy Festival, where I would collect all kinds of stories. Uh, well, we haven't been to any of those, so I've been digging back into the vault and going back over the 28 years of interviews, and a lot of them I've totally forgotten, and I've, I've still got the raw uh, footage of most of the interviews that I've lifted the excerpts out of. And a lot of it hasn't been aired yet, and I'm having a great time going back and, oh my gosh, forgot about this story, and working <laughs> that into the shows for now. And uh, like I say, there's so many highlights, but uh, one of the biggest one I, ones uh, for me would have to be, uh, I think we broadcast this back about 90, 98, 98, I think it was, or 99. Uh, I remember going to the Edmonton Rodeo Champions in the old Edmonton Gardens. Uh, back in the, the late 50s and mid 50s, probably started going there in 1954. My aunt worked in the concession at the Edmond Gardens, and she could get me tickets to the rodeo. <laughs> so we lived on 95 A Street in Edmonton, and I'd get on the bus, uh, Edmonton Transit System, and take it out to the Edmonton Gardens and sit there and watch the rodeo. And in those days, rodeos had a contract act. And for two, at least two years, the contract act of that rodeo was uh, the last of the silver screen cowboys. You can probably guess who I'm talking about. He had this magnificent chocolate brown stallion with a flaxen mane and tail. He wore six guns backwards on his belt. He had a, a voice that was a gift from heaven and charisma and charm. And he was a, besides a, charismatic entertainer. He was a great cowboy. Can you guess, Jody? Before your time. <laughs> Way before your time. <laughs> no, his name was Rex Allen. And uh, right. he, yeah. he made about 20 B-Western movies for Republic Pictures. And I went to all those movies, bought all his Dell comic books, and then got to see him in person in Edmonton. Uh, in the intermission, the lights would go down, a purple spotlight came on, and the announcer would introduce... Rex Allen and Coco, the wonder horse in the movies. And he comes galloping <laughs> out from between the, sh- the shoots in the spotlight, make three or four fast circles on Coco, do a sliding stop, step off, and a microphone magically dropped from the ceiling, and somebody handed him his guitar, and that incredible voice would start singing the songs of the West. And for a 12-year-old kid, taking this in, it just resonated down deep inside, and 
never left me, had a huge influence in the direction my life eventually took. And after I uh, was on the board of directors of the International Western Music Association, uh, Rex Allen was uh, on the uh, board of advisors. And so I got to go to a few meetings with him and actually got to know him and got to do a few interviews with him. And uh, those conversations and sitting there in a room hanging out with my cowboy hero, Rex Allen, at just about the top of the heap as far as, you know, the history of the show goes. Yeah. And was he was he what you expected him to be? You know, I would say probably more. Yeah. Uh, in his era, back when, uh, you know, we didn't have the 500-channel universe, and <laughs> there were only, there was one television station in every city, and that was about it. And uh, there was CFCN in Calgary, and CFRN at Edmonton, and Western television shows were just taken over. Well, at that time, every youngster under 15 in the world knew who he was, you know. And uh, he was very big in Hollywood. He uh, he uh, was partners in a couple of hotels in Acapulco with John Wayne. And, uh, you know, there was just this, this empire of Hollywood stars he was a part of. And yet he was raised on a ranch in uh, near Wilcox, Arizona, and had a just a poverty-ridden childhood. And he never lost sight of that. And uh, he would... He was as far from being a, a big ego uh, star, really wrapped up in himself, as you could imagine. Although he had the charm that, uh, you know, he could sit down with the best of them and, and, and just hold them spellbound with his stories. Yeah. So he's it's a great, so, role, great role model for, for so many of us. Well, it's always so nice when that experience is that. Like, there's nothing worse than when you meet someone who you admired their career and they turn out to be less than stellar. So I'm glad that experience was beautiful for you. Well, that's true. And sometimes, gosh, it, it's a little disappointing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we could do a whole other podcast series on those moments where you're like, the oh, worst bet, I bet interview you I've ever too. done. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've had some when I finally get home. Well, I'm not going to use that. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Delete. Yeah. I'm going to stop listening to those songs or whatever. Yeah. So crazy. So, uh, what, what's keeping you busy these days? I mean, obviously the show is, but normally you, I think you're, you've evolved Spirit of West. I know you've gone on cruises with it and done these different things and we're, we're in such a, a change of pace. What has that looked like for you this year? Well, it certainly has changed. Uh, as I said, we're not traveling to all the events that we used to go to and our, we had our, what was going to be Billy and my farewell cruise, the last one we had planned to host, scheduled for last July, uh, cruise to Alaska, and we're going to kick it off with the, all of the uh, cruisers coming up to the ranch here. We were going to have my Western Spirit Band doing a concert, and then uh, bus everybody up to the Sun Peaks Resort, and then down to Vancouver and board the ship. Well, obviously that didn't happen. So we rescheduled it for June of 2021, but, uh, like, what are the odds? We're really, uh, we're, we're crossing our fingers, but even that's doubtful. So they're, you know, that part's not doing it. And, uh, but, uh, what I haven't had time to do for a long time is, is get a little deeper into the music part. Uh, my brother Jim, as you know, is, uh, like a world class guitar player. He's had a guitar in his hand since he's about 10 years old. I remember when he was, I think he was 13 or 14, and he won the uh, 
Canadian Junior Skeet Shooting Championships going 100 straight or something, and my dad was so impressed, he bought him a brand new guitar. (laughs) 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 He never bought me a guitar. Of course, I I didn't start playing until I was in my 50s, but but we've got this uh, little group together we call the Western Spirit, uh, with Jim on lead guitar. I do vocals and uh, play along, and we've got Uncle Mike Dagger, just uh, the best bass player on the planet. And uh, when we get together, hey, we just have so much fun. But uh, we've been doing sending a lot of arrangements and tracks back and forth to each other, so we're able to able to produce some stuff even though we're not in the same room. And we've you know started a a bunch of virtual uh, things on YouTube that uh, you know, that can take quite a bit of time. So we've been quite a quite a bit of that stuff, and we expect we'll do more uh, this winter. And I've actually started writing a few songs, something I always kind of felt, I've got some of these songs inside me that just seemed like that wasn't at the top of my priority list. You know, sit down and work out these arrangements and everything. But I've started doing that now because I, I found, oh gosh, it's a rainy day and I got an hour or two this afternoon. Let's just see if we can put this together. So started doing some of that stuff and uh, really enjoying that. And then we sold all our cattle just uh, before I had my kidney transplant which is three years ago on the 22nd of November. And uh, so we don't have cattle of our own, but we're surrounded by ranches and cattle, and I still get uh, solicited as a freelance day rider for a lot of lot of cowboy work around here. And I'm probably doing more of that than I ever have. Like just yesterday, spent the entire day in the saddle gathering the last group of cattle that are up here in the high country, Turn them to the working corrals and then sorting out calves from cows and uh, heifers from cows and steers from heifers and did the whole thing on horseback and loading the liners and it was raining and snowing mixed and the ground was slippery and I was in heaven. <laughs> Just loving it. So, so I'm doing as much of that as I can. Well, and I'm glad you brought up the kidney transplant because I always like to, uh, to to dig a little deep and find those nuggets and so I wanted to kind of chat on that for a moment and, and have you sort of share, if you're willing, what that experience was, was like for you. And because that's like, that's big and it's such a, a, obviously, a life-changing scenario. Well, yeah, no question. And uh, I'm happy to share it because it's, it's a miracle story for us, for sure. And uh, the short version is, and uh, there's a message in here for men over 50. That uh, I think is really important to get across. Uh, years ago, before a lot of the the big range units were cross fenced with barbed wire, uh, used to be able to say, "Gosh, I could, I'd have to get off and uh, relieve myself three times before I opened a gate." <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, in a lot of places, they're cross fenced into quarter sections, and uh, I can go through three gates before I have to get off and empty my bladder <laughs> to, to try and <laughs> put it uh, tactfully. But, yeah. Uh, it was getting so I couldn't ride for an hour without having to get off and do that. And uh, I was in a lot of discomfort. And it's a very common problem in men over 50 is a uh, what they call benign prostate enlargement. It just cuts off the flow to your bladder so that you have difficulty emptying your bladder. And the the common knowledge seems to be well it's so common you just have to deal with it or you can get have surgery and guys for some reason are reluctant to even discuss this even amongst each other you know yeah and I know women are probably quite comfortable talking about uh, more personal health issues like that like 
Billy went through an episode of breast cancer, uh, I guess it would be 10, 11 years ago now. And, uh, you know, she didn't make a big deal about it at all, but she's quite comfortable talking about it among her friends, whereas guys, you know, it's the last thing you're going to talk about. So we just kind of suffered along until I started losing a lot of energy back in 2015, and a lot of the physical work on the ranch was just dragging me down. And I finally decided I, there's something wrong for sure. So uh, I finally convinced the doctor to do some blood tests. They thought it was acid reflux because I had this awful taste in my mouth and I had no appetite and I'd lost about 20 pounds. And when the blood test came back, I got a call from the clinic saying, get to emergency immediately. Your kidneys aren't working. <laughs> and so, oh my, you're like, oh my gosh, okay. Like that was a whiplash change. <laughs> yeah. I hadn't planned on doing that tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I wound up on dialysis, which really saved my life. And uh, it was four hours a day three days a week uh, in the city of Kamloops, and that cut into my schedule quite a bit. But the good news is it made me feel an awful lot better, and then I uh, was able to fast-track for the prostate surgery, and uh, that made a huge difference in my quality of life. <laughs> so, so I was coping fairly well. I, I would take my laptop into the dialysis clinic, and as soon as my blood started running through a dialyzer, I'd fire up my laptop and I'd start... Uh, writing scripts and uh, collecting the rangeland news and putting playlists together for the show, a lot of the work that I'd be doing at home anyway. And then uh, I was reluctant to go public with this. I didn't want to make a big deal about it, but the family kind of encouraged me to put up a Facebook post saying that if uh, there was a chance that I got a kidney transplant, uh, it would mean the end of dialysis and probably prolong my life. And so I... I somewhat reluctantly put up that Facebook post, and a little while later, we were driving to Kamloops, and I had uh, the country station on the radio, and uh, a guy that I mentored a little bit in the broadcast business years ago was doing the afternoon shift. His name was Lewis the Big Rig MacIver, just a <laughs> charismatic personality, and uh, I heard him talking about it, and he said, uh, a lot of us know Hugh, and uh, I just want you folks to know I am going to be tested. And if we're going to be a match, I'm going to give him one of my kidneys, and you should be tested too. And this is what we heard wow. coming out of the radio on the pickup drive into town. And then nothing happened until about a year later, and we got home from uh, the Stony Plain Cowboy Gathering, and I was back in the dialysis chair catching up on my Facebook messages, and there's one from the big rig saying, I hope you're not busy November 22nd, because that's the day you're supposed to get one of my kidneys. <laughs> so, oh, my God. And the other thing he said, Jody, that, that just is a great uh, indicator of his character, and he says, I want you to know that uh, if we're not a match, I'm giving this kidney to somebody that is. Wow. Yeah, so then uh, it wasn't long until we were both down at Vancouver General Hospital uh, terrorizing the transplant unit <laughs> in our <laughs> cowboy hats and our gowns, yeah. pushing our IV pills <laughs> up and down. <laughs> and, uh, and that's that's how it went. So that was uh, three years ago. Wow. Like, such a great story and just a, a huge amount of overcoming. And I've always appreciated your ability or desire or even maybe with reluctance to share that publicly because there's so much we can learn from each other through these processes. And you just, you never let it slow you down. You just kept persevering. And I've always admired that about you. 
Well, thank you for that. I, you know, that's uh, I think that's really important, and I think we've we've got an awful lot of role models uh, that we can look to with that type of thing too. And uh, I remember uh, I've watched Jeopardy as so many of us has almost since it's been on the air. And when we first came, uh, my first job outside of uh, Alberta radio was in Victoria, CKDA. We were married in Red Deer, or we lived in Red Deer. We we're actually married in Pinoka, and uh, then I worked at C. I was working at CKRD in Red Deer at that time. I got a job in Victoria. We got tired of island life, and we moved back to Kelowna. And uh, in the motel in Kelowna, the night we got there, turned on the black and white TV set, and there's a CBC program from Toronto called Music Hop, and the host is this handsome, dark-haired young guy in his early 20s, and his name was Alec Trebek. Mm-hmm. And I followed his career ever since. And I thought, boy, there's a role model for all of us. And, of course, we know, you know, the, the sad end of that story, too. Absolutely. But what an example he is, has been. Yeah. Well, and I I mean, it's, everything is, is subject to comparison and scale, but I think you're somebody who has been one of those people for us in Alberta, Why? hence the, the invite to be on this series, but you, you spread across that and you really focus on, uh, you know, North America and the world, and it, it's amazing to have you share your messages and your stories and that way of life. And I think that it's a, a misunderstood and often mismarketed area of life in ranching and cattle and being able to have that focus and educate people properly on that is awesome, and we appreciate that you continue to do that on a daily basis. Well, thank you, Jody. It's you know, it's it's totally a labor of love and and a passion that I'm fortunate enough to still be able to to live out. And we are glad. And I could probably talk to you for hours about it, but we should uh, let you get back to the the stories you need to put together and the next opportunity. If people haven't had a chance, you know, maybe we have an opportunity through this show to introduce Spirit of the West to new listeners or people going, oh, I remember that show I listened in. And where can they find it and how can they access the, the stuff you're putting together? <laughs> it's funny. I get uh, a few people that are, you know, at least middle age now, saying, "Hey, my grandfather used to tell me about the <laughs> You're like, "Thanks, that makes me feel so young." Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, the easiest way to find it is uh, go to our website. That's Hugh H U G H dash McLennan M C L E N N A N dot com, and the links to all the radio stations and the program schedule, and the links to our podcast and YouTube versions are all right there. Yeah, and probably now that it also has the podcast version anywhere people are grabbing their favorite podcast from, they're going to find it there too. So I probably could, yeah. Yeah. There's <laughs> an easy thing to find, you, and I appreciate you taking some time today to connect with us and, and be a guest on my show. It was a, it'll be one of my career highlights that I got to have Hugh McLennan on my show. So thank oh, you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but, uh, Jody, it's so good to talk to you. Like we, uh, I said, I've enjoyed all the stuff you've done uh, in broadcasting and media and uh, always thought it'd be fun to sit down and visit sometime. Yeah, well, we'll have to do it. One of these days, we'll have to do it we'll have to do it again soon and maybe one day in person. So, Well, if we get the cruise going, uh, you'll have to join us there. Yeah, hey, get me out of here. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
All right, Hugh, thank you so much, and I hope you and Billy take care through this the next crazy bit of our world here. You too, Jody, and keep up the good work. Thank you again for tuning in to the new series called Amazing Albertans on the Jody Steely Show podcast. Once again, a big thank you to the creator of the theme song for this show right now called We Are Alberta, Mr. Dustin Farr. Thank you, my friend. A huge shout out as well to our producers from Limelight Audio and Media for making this show possible. We are.